Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Open your Bibles, if you have those, uh, uh, Joshua chapter number 20. And we're going to speak to you on the subject this morning of Jesus, our refuge. I want to take just a moment um, to get to know you a little bit this morning. I want, I want to say that Wenatchee uh, Valley, this area, is um, beautiful. It's amazing. Um, we have been, we are on the west side, and we've been there for seven years. We came from Mojave Desert, and I know some of you are going, that your accent and California do not match, and so if you need an interpreter, um, we will uh, be glad to do that. We're originally from the east coast. I've been serving, uh, serving the Lord since I was 20. I'm 41 now in different um, various aspects of ministry, and we are now um, the pastor of Mount Holly Baptist Church and have been there for seven years. And, and if you know um, scriptural numerics, uh, seven is uh, what I uh, hear is the number of perfection. And um, so we're hoping this year is going to be a year of perfection for us. But um, I would like to say that you guys are in an exciting stage uh, of, of your church growth. Um, every one of you count, uh, even those who may be watching live stream, you count. Um, it matters. Um, it matters to the Lord uh, about your faithfulness. And, and I know we've been living in some crazy times and things going on, um, but to start a church in the middle of all of this um, chaos and to give people hope and peace, um, I mean, that's what our God's all about. Amen? And that's what our God's able to do, and you're a testimony to that. And I'm thankful uh, for each of you here. Uh, we came over a little bit early today. I want to say thank you to uh, those who came out and helped set up. I know it's not easy um, doing that, and, um, but, it, but it's a blessing that you guys have this place. And, uh, and we're excited about what God's doing here. You have a wonderful pastor and his wife and their family. Um, I just want to encourage you to love on them every chance that you have an opportunity to. And, um, and, and God will... Um, bless you bountifully just from that. But Joshua chapter number 20, we're going to jump into um, verse number 1, and we're going to just read down through verse number 9. And um, I want you to keep your Bibles open because we're going to go through a few different passages throughout the message. But I want to speak to you about Jesus, our refuge, this morning. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. The Lord also spake unto Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint out for you cities of refuge, whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses, that the slayer that killeth any person unawares and unwittingly may flee thither, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. We'll walk back through the passage as we go through the message just to kind of give you an overview where we are and what's going on. And verse number four, and when he that doth flee unto one of those cities, he that goes out to one of these uh, cities shall stand at the entering of the gate, that's before the gate, before he enters, and shall declare his cause in the ears of the elders of that city. They shall take him into the city unto them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. And if the avenger of blood, uh, this is the one who was uh, going to come after the person who accidentally killed someone, and we'll talk about that more in a moment. Um, He now has the avenger of blood on his tail, um, following him as he comes to the gates of the city. And if the avenger of blood pursue after him, then they shall not deliver the slayer up into his hand, because he smote his neighbor unwittingly and hated him not before time. 
and he shall uh, dwell in that city until he stand before the congregation for judgment. So they're going to bring him before the congregation, the elders there, um, to have a trial. And until the death of the high priest that shall uh, be in those days, then shall the slayer return and come unto his own city and unto his own house, unto the city from whence he fled. And they appointed Kadesh in Galilee among Naphtali and, she- and Shechem in Mount Ephraim and Kirjath Arba, uh, which is Hebron in the mountain of Judah. And on the other side of Jordan by Jericho eastward, they assigned Bezer in the wilderness upon the plain out of the tribe of Reuben and Ramoth and Gilead out of the tribe of Gad and Golan and Bashan out of the tribe of Manasseh. We're going to have a test on all these names after we're done reading them, all right? But these were the cities appointed for all the children of Israel and for the stranger that sojourneth among them, that whosoever killeth any person unawares, that would be by mistake, might flee thither and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. Uh, Shall we pray together just as we get into the word this morning? Father, thank you for um, just who you are. Thank you for your word and what it accomplishes. Lord, thank you for the day that we had out yesterday, meeting some in the community. Uh, Lord, just trying to um, share um, the good news of the gospel, Lord, that you've given to us to steward. And Lord, I pray that through this time in the word of God this morning, you would, you would help us to draw close to you. Uh, Lord, um, I'm sure there's some here today that do not know you as Savior. I pray that you would um, help them to take that step of faith today and trust you as their Savior. Lord, I pray that you would um, guide us um, as we are challenged as believers. And, and Lord, give us a fresh glimpse at your heart and, and, and Lord, who you are and, and then, Lord, where we are. And, Lord, we will give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. When we come to this particular portion of Scripture, we understand that at, at this particular point, um, Deuteronomy had come. Moses has passed off the scene, and he had preached three messages in Deuteronomy. And then he transfers the torch to a man named Joshua, one of the greatest uh, biblical captains that we've seen. And, and Joshua was going in throughout the land, conquering uh, uh, some of the uh, land that God had promised to them, uh, to the children of Israel. And it, it is interesting that these cities of refuge uh, come up and are quoted here and, and given to us for them to re-implement in Joshua chapter number 20. How many of you need to be reminded of things from time to time? And if you are not raising your hand, I'll just ask your wife, okay, or your children, all right? Um, But you need to be reminded of things um, from time to time. Well, God speaks about these cities in the Old Testament in four different passages. And how many of you know God doesn't need to remember anything? Uh, in, In the sense, I'm sorry, God doesn't forget anything, does he? No, he's perfect. He's a perfect mind. So he's not mentioning to us four times in scriptures because they have no value or importance. No, he's trying to draw our attention to uh, something that we can learn from these cities of refuge. In Exodus chapter number 21, verses 12 through 13, we see this aspect of an altar and a a location where if someone accidentally um, killed another individual... Uh, Right away, they could flee to this altar. They could hold on to the altar. They could uh, talk to the priest there. They could find a way of uh, safety because the avenger of blood or the next person who was kin to the person who died would be coming after them in order to try to take their revenge and justice. 
Um, if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that the Old Testament, uh, there, there, there was a uh, moral code, and that code was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So it, it, it was very prevalent, uh, and what that um, caused is many family. How many of you have heard, and I know this, I'm kind of going back, some of you young people probably won't remember this, but you ever heard of the statement or a phrase like the Hatfield and McCoys? Uh, anybody ever heard of that? Um, that's family feuds. That's what it's talking about. And, and because of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, it would create family feuds because as someone accidentally um, was murdered, let's say one of the biblical examples is um, um, uh, if you're swinging an axe and the axe head flies off and hits another person and kills them. Um, that's accidental death, right? Uh, with that being said, the next person in line of the person who died were to go after that individual and bring about justice. And he's called the avenger of blood. And, and when we consider um, that four times in Scripture, God says, I, I want you to place six cities uh, in and throughout the land where if you accidentally murder someone, that person, uh, or accidentally kill someone, that person can run to that safety, that, that city, and, and get their needs taken care of, go before a trial, and, and is eventually... When the high priest of that city would die, if he was found to be not guilty, that it was an accident, then they could be released to go back to their home uh, town in the place of their dwelling. Numbers chapter 35 and Deuteronomy chapter number 19 are also passages that deal with the cities of refuge. When we think about the, the concept of this, there, there's, uh, to paint a picture for you, a few characters in the plot and a few places. You have the Lord... Uh, that we saw in verse number one. We'll look at him in just a moment. You have Israel. Uh, we know this as uh, God's children, God's chosen people. You have the slayer, the one who uh, accidentally um, killed someone. You have the avenger of blood, the one who would go after uh, the, uh, the person, the individual who accidentally killed someone. You have the cities of refuge, which we'll talk about. And then you have the high priest in this particular setting. Uh, all of those we see in the passage we just read. If you're taking notes this morning, I'd like you to uh, first of all notice in verse 1 what we see. Can we read that passage again? And the Lord also spake unto Joshua. Can I ask you a question this morning, church? Uh, who's taking the initiative here to talk to the, to talk to the people? I, is that man reaching out or is that God reaching out? The, the Bible says the Lord... Um, spake unto Joshua. This is God taking initiative. You know what we see in verse number one? We see the heart of God. Because all throughout the scriptures leading up into this point and even into the New Testament, we see God's heart revealed in how he speaks to his children and how he speaks to the world, to his creation. When we think about the heart of God, I want you to notice the Lord pursues. He is always pursuing. If you're here this morning, it's because God is pursuing a relationship with you. You didn't um, come here by accident. And in your relationship with Him, uh, God pursues uh, you and, and woos you or calls you or wants to have a, uh, bring you unto Himself in order that your heart would line up with his heart, that your passion would be his passion, that your desire would be his desire. And so we see in verse number one, the heart of God, and he is a God who pursues. 
You remember in, uh, in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve had sinned against God. It was God that came walking to them in the midst of the garden. It was God that came and called out to them. And, and, and again, we see his pursuit. He is the creator God. He is the one who made you. He is the one who loves you. He is the one uh, who desires a, a relationship with you. When we think about uh, the New Testament, John 4.23 says this, But the hour cometh and now is... When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Did you know as we came in this morning, we were right in the will of God? As we lifted our voices, uh, as we sang praises unto Him, as we prayed and as we studied the Word together this morning, that we are exactly uh, in the will of God, knowing that we are fulfilling uh, God's desires. We are close to God's heart even this very moment. Some maybe more so than others. Some of you may remember Pinocchio. Does anybody remember P Pinocchio at all? All right, I know I'm kind of going back, and uh, it shows my age a little bit, but uh, you, you may remember the scene where um, the fairy comes into the room, and Gepato, that is the master carpenter, he's asleep in the bed. Jiminy Cricket is over on the counter there, and, and as he's over there, he's hiding, and he's looking, and uh, the fairy shows up, and she has her wand in her hand, and she walks over to the edge of the bed, and she gives all of this, these accolades to Gepato, and because of uh, Gepato's care for everyone else, she's going to grant his wish. What was his wish? That he might have a boy. And you remember how the scene plays out and, and uh, Pinocchio gets uh, turned into life and he says, Oh, I'm, am I a boy? A real boy? And, and we look at that uh, circumstance and, and what we understand is Gepato, the creator, had a desire for a son. And so he made a son out of wood. But it didn't stop there. He, he had a desire to have a relationship with his son, uh, his creation. And, and it's in that simple illustration where we can understand that's God's desire for each and every one of us that's in here this morning. But wait a minute, it's not just God's desire for each and every one of us that's in here this morning, it's God's desire for each and every other individual that's out there this morning. Amen? Because He created them as well. Uh, those folks that you work with, uh, I, I was uh, talking this morning, and, and, uh, and, and one of you said to me, uh, my mission field, I work with about 200 people, and God showed me that's my mission field. That's exactly right. That's the perspe perspective we should ha all have in our neighborhoods and in our communities. God did not place you where you are. God did not put you on the basketball team. God did not put you uh, in your prospective schools uh, uh, just to uh, sit there and enjoy the relationship you have with God. No, if that's your um, outlook, if that's your perspective, then you've missed the heart of God. The heart of God is that He has a desire to have a relationship with every person. You mean every person? Every single person that we come in contact, God has a desire because He created them and He loves them. And until our heart becomes like God's heart, we're going to continually fall short in God's will and plan for our life, both individually and as a church. The heart of God is that He is pursuing, He is always pursued, and He continues to pursue. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to, to usward, uh, not willing that any should perish, but all, but all come to repentance, right? That's, that's God's desire. 
Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. When we think about um, God's heart, I, I read a book uh, some years ago. It was a biography on Uncle John Vassar. Uh, John Vassar, what was interesting, he called himself the shepherd's dog. He was not a pastor. He did not lead a ministry. Uh, he was just a simple layman in uh, his church, in the churches that he served. And, and he worked ultimately with the uh, track society uh, during his day. And his goal was to reach people for the cause of Christ. Uncle John Vassar um, lost two sons and, and lost his um, wife as well. And, and, and not having a family, he would later remarry. He thrust himself fully into the work of reaching others for the cause of Christ. And I just want to share with you, in a day when he didn't have the technology that we have, in a day when he didn't have the resources that we have, I just want to share with you a few excerpts from Dr. A.J. Gordon. This is what Dr. Gordon said about him. He, he traveled from Maine to Florida, from the Atlantic coast to the Pacific, on foot, on horseback, by rail, and by steamer, resting not in the summer or in the winter, in uh, the one intense, eager pursuit of souls. And wherever you found him, there was that same burning zeal speaking out uh, in his looks and in his words. Uh, illustrative of his intense activity is the following quotation from John himself. Notice what he says, I, I visit frequently... 40 families a day. I was blown away when I read this. Frequently, I visit 40 families a day. I have a meeting somewhere every night, and I speak to three Sunday schools where uh, I can practice it every Lord's Day. I have conversed with over 3,000 people during the last three months on the subject of personal religion and feel that for this city a wonderful blessing is in store. How could a man sold out to God say, I feel like there's a wonderful blessing in store for this city? I'll tell you why. Because of the work and because of the effort, because his heart was near to the heart of God. Because he reached in a time without the things mentioned before, he had a desire to go out and to make a difference for the cause of Christ. And church, what I'm saying to you is, that heart can be your heart. That heart should be your heart. And as you think about and you examine your life and where you are and the people that are around you, you must ask the question, when is the last time you shared your faith? Teenager, when is the last time you shared your faith? When is the last time you cared enough to share your faith? You see, not sharing our faith uh, points to a deeper issue. It points to the issue of the heart. And it means that we're not as close to God as we think we are. It doesn't matter how intelligent we are. John Vassar had no um, uh, uh, degree. But he was a man who was sold out with one intense purpose, and that was to uh, help people know Jesus, his Savior. Why? Because Jesus had made a difference in his life just like Jesus has made a difference in your life. When we think about uh, this, when you and I repent and call out to God for our failure to care about the lost who we encounter daily, it is only then when God will manifest His heart in us. When an individual and a church collectively adopts the heart of God and realizes the colossal need of the lost around you, 
God will then empower and energize you with the courage and the boldness as believers and as a church to turn people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is there anyone here this morning who has that desire? Is there anyone here whose heartbeat is that of our Savior's? It'll show up. It'll show up in your life. Notice in verses 2 and then in verses 7 through 8, we see not only the heart of God in verse number 1, but the availability of God. Uh, I think, I don't know if you have a map here um, on the screen, and, and you can see the, the layout here of the different cities. And, and if you'll see the Jordan River that goes through the middle of uh, the particular uh, different tribes that were, um, uh, uh, I guess, given cities uh, during that time, uh, you can see that there's three on the east side and three on the west side. When you consider and you do the geographical study on this, um, many scholars have said when they do the mileage that there was not one city that was more than 30 miles away from any point. And, and the reality and, and the application is this, God made each of those cities of refuge available to every individual uh, within a short distance. There's a great lesson there. This church has strategically been placed here for now. As you continue to grow and outgrow this building and as people continue to um, know Christ as their Savior and you disciple them and, and you move on beyond this into other locations, you have been strategically placed here uh, by the providence of God and God's plan. It didn't take Him by surprise because there are people that other churches are not going to reach. Let's just face it. You could have a hundred churches in this valley and you would not reach every one. But God made himself available. One of the interesting things uh, about these cities is in keeping with Jewish tradition, um, Jewish tradition taught that there was some requirements about um, getting people to the city. And, and once a year, they would uh, go through the, the priest uh, um, or, or either um, some Jewish uh, natives would go through these roads and the priest had the responsibility of making sure the roads were clear. There were no stumbling blocks. There were no roadblocks that would prevent someone fleeing to these cities to get there. Uh, when we think about the water routes, they would make sure that the bridges were in good repair. They would have to move the debris and, and any obstacles uh, that were in their way. Uh, the crossroads would be, would be marked with signs. When, as someone was fleeing, they could see the sign, and the sign just simply said refuge and had a pointing them in the direction of these cities. It's an amazing thought. God mentioned these cities four times for a reason because He's trying to show a deeper truth in that of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because ultimately, Jesus is our refuge. And ultimately, there was a sign at some point in your life, or at least there should be a, a sign at some point in every one of your life that pointed you to the Savior. There had to be someone that told you about the gospel. There had to be someone who preached the word of God. There had to be uh, somehow the word of God got to you. And that roadside came along uh, and said, hey, this is your refuge. This is your escape. This is your peace. This is your forgiveness. The availability of God. We know his heart is one of pursuing, but we know that he makes himself available to anyone who will call out to him. When we think about um, uh, this, Philippians chapter number 2, I want you to turn there with me for just a moment. Philippians chapter number 2, Paul writing from uh, a prison cell, uh, teaches us uh, about the Savior's heart. 
And in Philippians chapter number 2, as you're, you're turning there, we're going to begin reading in verse number 13. Uh, the, the Bible says, For it is God which worketh. And, and, and again, in context here, we're talking about uh, God giving you the spiritual energy that you need. It, it is God that gives you the strength in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and a perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. But notice how you shine. Verse number 16. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. It was Paul's one desire. It was Christ's desire. The desire to see other people come to know Him. The desire for a relationship. The desire to hold forth the Word of God and to share the Gospel with others. God has placed you as a little city. God has placed you as the individual who would come across paths. You understand how the Holy Spirit, how revival works, how um, God works in the midst of uh, reaching people. Do you understand how that, how that happens? As, as you take the gospel out and you spread the word of God out into an area uh, in written form, uh, with your mouth, uh, um, online, through Facebook, we, we had a, uh, a young lady, um, a lady, she had two teenage daughters and a teenage son. She came to our church three weeks ago. She found us on Facebook. Thank God for social media. When it's done right, used for God's glory. Found us on Facebook. She came. Uh, we gave the invitation time. Her, her, her two teenage uh, kids raised their hands, said they did not know Christ. We had an opportunity to talk with them, take them to God's Word, show them how uh, they can have a relationship with Jesus, and they trusted Christ about three weeks ago. What a blessing. Amen. We have people that are serving in our church whom we put a, put a gospel track on their door and, and now they've been saved, they've been baptized, their family's been saved and baptized, they're serving in the church, they're attending the church. Uh, what I'm saying to you, church, is um, the way God works uh, is through us, through you. And as you go about your daily business, as you have uh, God's word with you, as you saturate an area, the Holy Spirit begins to work in their life. Maybe a husband and wife gets in an argument and, and, and maybe um, they're having uh, difficulty with their children. Maybe they're having some financial woes and, and the stress is really high. We, we know these situations. These are people that need help. And, and as we uh, see what they're going through, we, we give them a track. We, we tell them about the love of Christ. Uh, however God brings His Word into their life, that Word begins to uh, woo them. That Word begins to attract them. That Word begins to work and to plant seeds in their heart. And then God brings us by. And He, and he brings a believer by to, to do what? To love on them, to build a relationship with them, but ultimately to tell them about how they can know Christ. That's how it works. That's how it works. The availability of God. God has placed you in, in and around many people in your life in order that they might be able to come to Jesus. All they're waiting for you to do is take a little bit of time and show them how they may. We see the heart of God as um, we looked in verse number one. We see the availability of God and how he placed uh, those cities uh, within reach, how they must be, uh, the roads must be kept clear. When we think about our responsibility, isn't our responsibility as a soul winner, someone who reaches Christ, to remove the stumbling blocks in their way? The Bible says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. So if I'm not leading people to Christ... 
I need more wisdom. Does that make sense? Because as we talk to people and build relationships with people, the number one hindrance is, is going to be pride in their life, keeping them from coming to Christ. Uh, it's in young people, it's in old people, it doesn't matter. But God, um, what He does in and through the believer is, is as we minister to them and talk to them, we are to take them to the Scripture and show them how they're not okay. If you're here without Christ, I want to say to you with all the love of my heart, you're not okay. Your life is not okay. Uh, if you're here and you, and you don't know Christ, the Bible says you are underneath His condemnation and judgment right now. That's why sometimes you may feel like there's no hope, there's no peace. You're always warring on the inside because you don't really have a relationship with Christ. The availability of God, the heart of God. It is our job as believer priests to go out into the highways and the hedges to the hearts of individuals and the minds to, to remove whatever stumbling blocks is hindering from them with the scriptures and then give them uh, the ointment, give them uh, the healing, give them the forgiveness that they need through the truth of God's word. Amen? But notice in verses 3 through 6, the common crisis. Uh, when we uh, look in verse number 6, the Bible says that the slayer that killeth any person, so here's what's happened. He mistakenly, uh, on an accident, someone is killed. And he then um, flees to the city. Uh, and the Bible says, there shall be your refuge. Maybe you're in the uh, habit of taking notes. You can underline that portion of Scripture there from the avenger of blood. So the crisis is, uh, comes into play when the avenger of blood, uh, so my, my son is here, my whole family's here. If Joseph, my son, uh, accidentally, um, you know, got in an accident and someone died because of that, in this particular day, um, let's say it was, you know, Brother Micah, uh, it was one of uh, his family members, well, Brother Micah may step up and, and then avenge that death. So he's called the avenger of blood. So he's going to be pursuing now my son because my son killed one of his family members. And so God placed these cities there so Joseph can now run to the city. And he's going to get there as soon as the accident happens. He's going to go as fast as he can uh, because he's, he's trying to um, save his own life. <laughs> and as he runs to the gate, he's going to cry out. He's going to uh, say, I accidentally killed someone. Uh, could someone provide refuge? And the elders of that city are going to uh, uh, take him in and they're going to question him. They're going to talk to him to find out what happened. And that avenger of blood, Micah, in this case, he's not going to be allowed to go in and to take that person's life in the city until after they had a trial and he was deemed, or it was deemed an accident, or the high priest in that particular city uh, dies. And they would uh, give him food, and they would give him, uh, teach them a skill when they came into that city, and they would help to support him, and they would provide a place of refuge, a place of safety from that avenger of blood. And every one of us, and those that are out there, they have an avenger of blood on their trail. And it's the law of God. None of us can escape the law of God. None of us can escape um, the fact that we were born sinners. That if we've offended in one small point, in one area of our life, if we've offended, then we are guilty of the entire law. And that law has been chasing after some of you day after day after day after day. It was three serious weeks of soul searching before I come to Christ. 
Because I had heard a man preach the message of God, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit's conviction upon my life, I was not okay. I was afraid that I would slip off into eternity in the night, and I would spend an eternity in hell without our Savior. And the conviction was bad, and the peace was gone. There was no joy. I could not escape the Holy Spirit of God. I could not ex escape that avenger until I ran to the city. <laughs> until I ran to Jesus. And all at once, I, I remember, as, like it was yesterday, when the, the reality of who Jesus was and who I was, when that came into full light, I realized for the first time that I was a lost sinner and that I needed Christ and that He paid for my sin debt on the cross. It was at that moment when conversion happened, friends. You're not okay. Those out there are not okay. There's a common crisis. And in, in, in short, everyone... Is guilty. No one can escape the law. But I want you to notice lastly, and this was probably the most exciting uh, part for me. We know that Israel was the apple of God's eye. We know that Israel had been called out. And, and what had they been called out to do, church? To, to show everyone else around them who the real true God was. So God calls them out, and then God says to them, I'm going to provide a place of refuge for you. Any Jewish person who um, accidentally uh, kills someone, any Jewish person who does that, I'm going to provide these cities so my children can run to me. But did you ca catch what verse number 9 said? Let's look at it again. These were the cities appointed for all the... Who does that say, church? Children of Israel... And for the who? Now, unless you're Jewish in here, you're in the second part of that verse. You're a stranger. You're a Gentile. You're someone who is estranged from God. You do not know God. And so what God shows us in His heart is that He made a city of refuge available to each and every uh, person in this land. Not only Jews, but also the stranger, the Gentiles. Church, I want to say this. There's a lot of division out in the world today. But in the church, it, it shouldn't be that way. Why? Because we, we unite around Jesus, the city of refuge. We unite around the fact that we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. We're all lost and undone. And, and, and things are not okay. There can be no peace in an individual or in a church unless our focus is on Jesus as our refuge. Amen? We think about the stranger. He was the one who was outside of Judaism. He had some different beliefs. Uh, he maybe was involved in idol worship. But the same grace that God gave to His children is the same grace He gave to the stranger, is the same grace He gives to us during this age of grace. God has given to us New Testament churches, uh, just like Ridgepoint here. To seek after God's heart and know it. To make yourself available to those around you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and then to give an invitation to everyone who has a problem or everyone who is a sinner. 3,000 souls a day by one man. What could a church this size with this group of people do? if we really had the heart of God. Amen.
You need to clear the roadblocks. Remove the stumbling blocks. And we need to get busy for what God's called us to do. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media, and tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.